Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. It is the Eric Erickson Show across the nation. The phone number, if you want to be a part of the program, 877-973-7425. You are more than welcome to call in. I'm glad to have you. And today, I should note, out of the box here, out of the gate, today is Pi Day. Today is March 14th, 314, 3.14159 is pi you start when you're in when you learn the concept 3.14 then eventually you probably learn 3.14159 you might get to 3.14159265359 that's about as far as i can memorize but it goes on ad infinitum uh you there are a trillion digits thus far i think somewhere around there that people have gotten to in pi you don't need them all you don't need them all you use pi every day whether you think about it or not. Oh, yes. You, you don't even realize it. The odometer in your car requires pi. Requires the use of the circumference of your tire and how quickly it rotates around from a given point back to that point. Uh, using pi can determine the speed of your car precisely. And you actually need, for the sake of your odometer, to get to 3.14159, not just 3.14, to get it as precise as possible. You rarely ever have to get past 3.14159. A lot of places are apparently giving um, pizzas out there today for free and and other things. Um, USA Today has a story out there today. Uh, let's see, Blaze Pizza is giving new and existing Blaze Rewards members an 11-inch pizza for $3.41. Oh, oh, Chuck E. Cheese is, is having some sort of pie day. May God have mercy on your soul. Uh, for a limited time, Domino's will give you a $3 tip to order your pizza online and pick it up yourself and choosing delivery. They've timed it for pie day, but really it's about gas prices. Um, trying to see what else is out there. Honey baked ham pie day coupon, uh, $3 and 14 cents off an apple caramel walnut pie. Marco's pie day BOGO deal. Marco's pizza buy one, get one Monday. Uh, and then McDonald's competing or some McDonald's. You can get a free pie Monday with a dollar or more purchase. Uh, lots of people try to get on pie day out there. I like geometry geometry was actually like the one math class and trigonometry that i like so i like pie i just figured i should notice that uh yeah i mean i like chocolate pie in particular i don't like apple pie but nonetheless we move on i want to talk about the racist hispanics because you know hispanics are racist if you didn't know you you haven't kept up now now i know listen hang on hang on i know you're you're listening right now you're saying wait a second i'm hispanic i'm not racist you don't even know you're racist i'm being somewhat flippant here but but so axios on march 12th ran a story the rise of white nationalist hispanics you got to pay attention to what's going on here because there is not a coincidence here. On March 12th, the the Axios story, The Rise of White Nationalist Hispanics, Nick Fuentes, identified as a white supremacist in Justice Department filings, 
made headlines last week for hosting a white nationalist conference in Florida. His father is also half Mexican-American. Fuentes is part of a small but increasingly visible number of far-right provocateurs with Hispanic backgrounds who spread racist, anti-Semitic messages. Cuban-American Enrique Tarrio, the former leader of the Proud Boys, a group the Anti-Defamation League calls an extremist group with a violent agenda, was arrested Tuesday and charged with conspiracy in connection to the January 6th Capitol riot. Experts tell Axios far-right extremism within Latino community stems from three sources. Hispanic Americans who identify as white, the spread of online misinformation, and lingering anti-black, anti-Semitic views among U.S. Latinos that are rarely openly discussed. The U.S. trend fueled over the course of Donald Trump's presidency in the pandemic extends beyond movement leaders to a broad network of participants, some of whom have faced hate crimes charges. Last month, Jose Gomez III, 21 in Midland, Texas, pleaded guilty in federal court to three counts of committing a hate crime for attacking an Asian-American family. In 2018, Alex Michael Ramos, a Puerto Rican resident of Georgia, was sentenced by a Virginia district court to six years in prison for his role in beating of a black man in Charlottesville, Virginia, following the Unite the Right rally. Christopher Ray Monzon, a Cuban-American man, a member of the neo-Confederate group League of the South, was arrested in 2017 for attempting to assault anti-racist protesters in Hollywood, Florida. He later resigned from the group and said he regretted using slurs for black and Jewish people. Fuentes drew attention for comments introducing Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican of Georgia, at his white supremacist event. And now we're going to on about Russia and Vladimir Putin as Hitler. They say that's not a good thing. He then laughed and said, I shouldn't have said that. He questioned the Holocaust, criticized interracial marriage, defended Jim Crow era segregation. The ADL describes him as a white supremacist leader and podcaster who seeks to forge a white nationalist alternative to the mainstream GOP. And yes, Marjorie Taylor Greene spoke at his event, knew all about him, still spoke. But isn't it interesting, this story? White nationalist Hispanics, the rise of white nationalist Hispanics, and they name a bunch of people you have never heard of. Isn't it interesting? Do you think, do, do, do you think maybe it comes, this story comes, because in the last several weeks we've had these headlines. Latino Dems warn about midterm fallout. Democrats fall flat with Latinx language. The GOP is gaining among Texas Hispanics. Women are leading the charge. And Texas results hint GOP Hispanic gains may endure past Trump. Notice how the media tends to always use Latino. But here they focus on Hispanic because in Texas, Texas, they tend to call themselves Hispanic. Do you think there's just, it's a coincidence? Because I don't. In the last six months, there have been a growing number of stories that Hispanic voters were moving toward the GOP. There have been a growing number of stories about the, the Democrats' decline and fall with Hispanic voters. Now, predominantly, Hispanic voters still vote Democrat, but overwhelmingly, they're shifting. It's a pretty dramatic shift, and over, over a 20-point shift 
toward Republicans. And suddenly, they're racist. Now, remember Trayvon Martin? God rest his soul. Trayvon Martin uh, was, was shot and killed by George Zimmerman. This is the first time I ever heard the phrase white Hispanic. George Zimmerman is a Hispanic dude in Florida. She kills Trayvon Martin. He's found not guilty. And when it was pointed out, wait a second, uh, the media started playing up the white guy kills black man walking through the neighborhood. And people were like, wait a second, he's not white. He's a Hispanic guy. Actually, actually, he's white. His ethnicity is Spanish, Hispanic, but his race is white. He identifies as a white man, and he kind of looks it too, so he's a white Hispanic. And there are such things as black Hispanic. I had no idea this was a thing. Now, you know, uh, what was the the Lin-Manuel Miranda? He did some musical in the Heights or some such. And he gets blasted because there were not enough black Hispanic people. I didn't know this was a thing. On the left, though, as everybody's broken down into intersectional categories now. As everybody is broken down into intersectional categories, a white Hispanic thing uh, is the um, phrase of the day, which is kind of sad. They've divided everybody now. Everybody is, you're white or you're black, and then you can be Hispanic or Caucasian or or, or what have you. Really, it, it, it's, it's more and more furious. It makes me more and more furious to hear all of this stuff coming out uh, as people do this. Remember the lady out in, and I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm trying to find this um, woman in California and she harasses the police officer and tells him he'll never really be white. He'll, he's playing at, at a white guy, but he's just a murderer. He's just a murderer. And it, it was, it was horrible the abuse she was heaping on this guy. And she could not understand, or, or the, the, the guy was just trying to play it straight. The guy was just trying to do his job. He pulled the woman over. She had her, um, had her kid in the car with her, and she's just calling him murderer, murderer. Um, and it says, you'll never be white. You're just pretending to be white. You'll never be white. It was, it was deeply offensive. And that was critical theory. She's divided this guy up and said, wait a second, you are Hispanic or you're Latino, or in her case, she says he's a Mexican and that he'll, he's just playing at being white. This is what's going on here. As they shift, as Hispanic voters shift to the GOP, the left doesn't have any strategy for containing the shift other than calling them racist. And that's the problem. They they don't they, they they're going to keep losing these people because they they don't have a plan to hold them other than calling them racist for going to the GOP. Now, this reminds me, and I mentioned this, I had to go back and find these two stories because I told you guys they existed, and I've gotten emails from some of y'all that you didn't really believe me. 
This is the Los Angeles Times. The Los Angeles Times ran an opinion piece from someone named Aaron Logan. Aaron Logan is a reporter for the Los Angeles Times. She's a reporter for the Los Angeles Times, and she wrote a piece for the Los Angeles Times, not as a reporter, but in an opinion on um, why black men are drawn to Trump's toxic masculinity. And that's it. She 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 believes that it, it's reflected in the black uh, rap music that the young black men like. That that's why. While it's not inherently bad for Trump and other men to espouse confidence and streaks, those traits can quickly devolve into toxic masculinity, suppressing emotions, flaunting a tough exterior, and seeing violence as an indicator of power. Trump is toxic masculinity star child Stephanie Rose Spaulding, a professor of women's and ethnic studies at the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs, told me Trump doesn't like to seem weak. He has not only threatened foreign and domestic opponents with violence, but he's bragged about sexually assaulted women. It's toxic. But Trump's form of masculinity appeals to a small minority of black men who think such masculinity is their best way of making their own way in the world. I'm not kidding. This is this is the explanation. And the New York Times did almost the same story for Hispanic voters. The macho appeal of Donald Trump. Though a majority of Latino voters favor Democrats, Hispanic men are a small but enduring part of Trump's base. Those supporters see him as forceful, unapologetic, and a symbol of economic success. And actually goes on to say, look at the dictators that they elect in South America. They love these strong men that they fled from. This is actually what they did. And so Hispanic voters, because they're moving to the right, now must be labeled racist because, you know, all Republicans are racist. According to the Democrats, what I find just notable is notice how the media makes the Hispanic sound pejorative in Latino or Latinx, the normal. I mean, the subtitle again of this New York Times piece, though a majority of Latino voters favor Democrats, Hispanic men are a small but enduring part of Trump's base. Or the, the, the Axios headline that started it all, far left, or the rise of white nationalist Hispanics. Now, that's the actual title on the, on the, on the, on the thing is the rise of white nationalist Hispanics. But if you look at the URL for their actual title, what they originally gave it, rise of white nationalist Hispanics Latinos. They bury the phrasing for Latinos. Why? Because they want people to identify as Latinos and they'll be the good ones. And if you identify as Hispanic, you'll be the racist Republican. I sleep well at night under bowl and branch sheets. And I need to tell you, my family, we were customers before I started endorsing them. It's what I like to do. I like to be familiar with the product and like it. And I love the bowl and branch sheets. One of the reasons I love them is because they are super soft sheets. <laughs> Gotta say that word right. But they've got a little weight to them. So, so you feel somewhat more snuggled. Like I've got some... Uh, sheets I, that came with the new mattress, and they're so light. It's like there's nothing on top of you, and I can't sleep well with them because they're, I mean, it's just, and then they bunch up the, the man, the satiny soft feel of the Bull and Branch sheets, it makes a real big difference. Listen, 
you've got so many options out there right now. You could go to a department store. You have so many options, but there's no reason to because with Bowl and Branch, you get high quality sheets. They've got a great thread count. They're perfect. They've got plenty of color options. You sleep well under them because they're soft and they're durable and they've got a little bit of weight, the perfect amount of weight for a sheet. Now, I want you to go out there and order Bolin Branch sheets because they are comfortable. You got, I mean, they're environmentally friendly. They're built around sustainability, and you got quality that lasts. You know, a lot of the companies that advertise all the environmentally friendly stuff, their sheets don't last. I can tell you, my bowl and branch sheets have lasted a long time, and they get softer over time. Experience the best sheets you've ever felt at bowlandbranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at checkout. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. The promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Y'all, you got to be careful out there if you're Republican these days. Sometimes you can so hate the president of the United States that you can fall for Russian propaganda. The, The chairman of the Republican Party in Georgia, David Schaefer, is in hot water. He started circulating a tweet Uh, that was done by one of the Russian embassies pointing out that the United States and Ukraine voted against a Russian resolution offered earlier this year against Nazis. Said, I I can't believe the Biden administration would do this. I can't believe that they would, would vote against a resolution against Nazis. His actual text, I assumed this was a lie or a hoax, but it is not. The Biden and Zelensky governments were the only two votes against a Russian resolution condemning the glorification of Nazism. Well, I mean, if you listen to Putin, his whole pretext for his invasion of Ukraine was denazification. He's been doing this for a while now. In fact, they've done it for 10 years, and every American administration, including the Trump administration, has voted against it. So that was pointed out, Schaefer's like, but in the past... The United States has gotten other allies to also vote no. Not really. In 2019, when Donald Trump was still president of the United States, the United States and Ukraine voted against this. Now, why? Well, you got to go back to 2014. The Russians took over the eastern part of Ukraine, and that was when they began offering up the denazification resolution hoping to get world buy-in, and that's when the United States started voting against it. It was very clear it was a pretext for war, and yet the chairman of the Republican Party in Georgia, David Schaefer, not only is defending it and also getting all of his facts wrong to defend it, he can't just take the loss and admit he fell for Russian propaganda. you got to be careful out there with the Russian propaganda. How embarrassing. This is also the same chairman of the Republican Party in Georgia who told everyone the election was going to be stolen, so nobody showed up to vote in the runoff, and, well, Republicans wound up handing the Senate to the Democrats because of it, and yet they left that guy in charge of the Republican Party in Georgia. My goodness. Hello there and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425 should you wish to be on this program. Uh, glad to have you with me. I, I want to spend just a moment on some of the, on an ancillary issue that keeps cropping up on all the Russia-Ukraine stuff. 
This one bothers me. The Washington Free Beacon has a story. Uh, World Wildlife Fund won't let chapters denounce Russia. The World Wildlife Fund Ukraine blocked from signing statement against invasion. As an aside, I don't like the World Wildlife Fund because it pressured the WWF to become the WWE. And I still say the WWF, and now people think I'm talking about the World Wildlife Fund when, no, I'm talking about uh, wrestling. Now you're going to say WWE, and just my brain, it doesn't compute. But nonetheless, uh, the actual WWF, the World Wildlife Fund, blocked its Ukraine chapter from signing a public statement last week denouncing the Russian government's invasion, claiming that it could harm the group's long-term ability to do conservation work across the world, according to a Ukrainian environmental activist. The WWF Ukraine chapter has added its name to a joint statement this month organized by the Ukrainian Nature Conservancy Group, which called on democratic governance to ban imports of Russian timber and wood products, a $13 billion industry, and denounced Russia's aggressive war against Ukraine, according to the UNCG. WWF Ukraine was one of the very first organizations to put their names to the statement to ban Russian and Belarusian wood imports wrote the uh, Ukrainian Nature Conservancy Groups, the Yihor Rinki. I have no idea. They're literally, well, I guess Y is a vowel there, H-R-Y-N-Y-K, in a recent statement on the group's website. But just days later, I received an email from representatives of WWF International's management uh, reportedly asking them to remove the name. Listen, uh, yeah, I I think that's a little bit crummy there, but I'm kind of sympathetic to this. I'm kind of sympathetic. USA Today has a story out about uh, the remarkable number of hockey players out there who have kept silent. Now, there have been a couple, just a couple, who actually uh, defended Moscow, but most have been silent altogether. It's difficult for the Russian players in the league, says Brian McClellan, the general manager of the Capitals, who have three other Russian players on their star in addition to Alex Ovechkin. I'm sure Philip could pronounce it better. There's a lot of pressure put on them to have a political opinion either way. They're trying to balance out how they live their lives and what their political opinions are and the repercussions that could happen back home. It's a difficult situation for these guys. That, my friends, is the thing that I think is getting lost in this conversation. And it's something that I don't know that a lot of people truly appreciate and I would at least like for all of my listeners if we can to be a little bit sympathetic to the situation that some of these guys uh there is for example uh Nikita Kucherov on the Tampa Bay Lightning and there is uh, Andre Vasilevsky, who is probably the best uh, goalie in the NHL, and he's Russian. 
Both of them are on the Tampa Bay Lightning. And they have families in Russia. And you got to keep in mind that this stuff matters. Vladimir Putin is a dictator. What do you think would happen to the families of these people if they spoke out? What do you think would happen? Let's take the World Wildlife Fund. Look, look I, I, I get the hypocrisy there, I do, and I, I got no problem with Washington Free Beacon calling them out, but the World Wildlife Fund's point is they want to save wildlife worldwide. If the Ukrainian branch gets in on the act and, and denounces the Russian involvement, it could impact the national or the international organization. Now, I find that argument actually to be a little bit garbage because it's the Ukrainian World Wildlife Fund. I mean, the International Wildlife, World Wildlife Fund, because, hey, that was Ukraine. It wasn't us. They, they got plausible deniability there. But I, I also get their concern that, gosh, this could make it hard for us in China and Russia and elsewhere to operate, uh, given that this is tied to the WWF. I, I, I get that. I do. But there are a lot of people who want, for example, hockey stars from Russia are under an inordinate amount of pressure to come out and condemn Vladimir Putin and the invasion. And in fact, privately, a lot of them apparently want to. There was a news story the other day where one of the agents uh, for a lot of the Russian hockey players was talking about this, that uh, yes, they share the concern, but they have to be careful. And the way it was interpreted by some was that, well, you know, they got they got fans on both sides. And that's not what the guy is talking about. These people have family in Russia. They've got family in Russia. Andrei Vasilevsky's father is Andrei Vasilevsky. Now, Vasilevsky is the, the uh, goalie for the Tampa Lightning. My gosh, you guys should see that guy. He's incredible. Vasilevsky's father is a very famous Russian goaltender. He actually played at the highest level of hockey in the Soviet Union and then in Russia after it collapsed. He was in a Russian Super League, 55 years old. He still lives there. What do you think would happen to him if his son came out and announced the Russian invasion of Ukraine? What do you think would happen? What do you think would happen to the parents, the brothers, the sisters? Now, his son... Andrei Vasilevsky, the, the goalie for the Tampa Lightning, is married to a girlfriend from Russia. What do you think would happen to her family? We in this country, we tend to be able, by and large, to be able to take political positions that differ from each other. It's harder these days with cancel culture and the like on both sides of the aisle. But we're able more often than not to be able to take positions these days and we don't have to live with a real consequence, except on occasion. To my knowledge, I am the only, well, I shouldn't say the only, maybe I, I, I can at least count on, on one hand with fingers left over. I am one of the very few, if not the only, 
conservative radio show host in the in the United States, local or national, who in 2016 vocally said I would not support Donald Trump for president, who still has a job in radio all these years later. I know multiple people who lost their job because they were very vocally against Trump and they lost their job because of it. I know people to this day who still to this day are trying to sabotage my career because even though I supported him in 2020 and 2016, I didn't, and there will be hell to pay. There's still a level of, of presumed disloyalty, a presumed level of never Trumpism. You support the guy in 2020, and you're still never Trump. There are a level of people who would like to punish me for the rest of my life. I had people show up on my doorstep, literally had people show up at my house to threaten me and remind me my wife has cancer. I, I might need my health insurance. Do I really want to take this position? But that's very rare. It's very rare in this country. It didn't. Really, I, it's not like I changed my position. I cha- didn't change my position. I was able to keep my job, and my ratings went up. Uh, it turns out that people like somebody who actually says what they believe and not what people want to hear. But there are a lot of people around the world who aren't in the position that you and I are. If you go to your office tomorrow and you denounce Vladimir Putin, nothing's going to happen to you or your family. But if you've got family members in Russia and you go denounce Vladimir Putin, there'll be hell to pay back home. It's from the New York Times. Eastern Orthodox leaders are outspoken on the Ukraine war, except one. Last week, more than a dozen religious and political leaders sat on the dais of the Ukrainian Orthodox Cathedral of St. Volodymyr on the Upper West Side, listening to solemn prayers and fiery speeches denouncing Russia and extolling Ukrainian resistance to the invasion that began two weeks earlier. They gave speeches one by one. The leaders of the Ukrainian, Greek, and American Orthodox churches, a prominent rabbi, the leader of the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of New York, and even the governor of New York, Kathy Huschel. But one group was missing from this interfaith tableau. The Russian Orthodox Church, whose leader, Patriarch Kirill of Moscow in all Russia, is an ally of Vladimir Putin. Organizers said Russian Orthodox leaders in New York had been invited but did not reply. Here in America, they're not taking a position against the Moscow Patriarchate or against the political leadership of the Russian Federation. Archbishop Daniel, a leader of the Ukrainian Orthodox Church of the USA, said of Russian religious leaders in New York, they're trying to dance a political dance. The world of Eastern Orthodox Christianity is complex, with more than a dozen self-governing branches whose leaders live primarily in cities across Eastern Europe and the Middle East. Because New York is home to hundreds of thousands of Orthodox Christians, many of their churches treated as an American base of operations. Those include the Ukrainian Orthodox Church, the Russian Orthodox Church, and a subsidiary to it, the Russian Orthodox Church outside Russia. The three have outposts within walking distance of one another. The headquarters of the Russian branches are practically neighbors on Manhattan's Upper East Side, while the ornate Ukrainian cathedral sits across Central Park. Patriarch Kirill is based in Moscow and is the highest authority for both the Russian church and its New York-based American branch, which merged with the Moscow Patriarchate in 2007. He's also the highest religious authority for most Russian Orthodox parishes in Ukraine. The Russians are all in on Russia, and a lot of the congregants in these churches are not. 
a lot of the congregants in the Russian Orthodox Church in New York City are actually in favor of Ukraine. But they can't say anything. An atmosphere of fear has descended on the Ukrainian cathedral's Russian counterpart, St. Nicholas Russian Orthodox Cathedral, which is the Moscow Patriarch's administrative and religious headquarters in the United States. The cathedral draws worshipers from across the former Soviet Union, including Ukraine. In recent days, some parishioners and priests seemed hesitant to discuss the war. Some cited the Russian government's repression, saying they feared endangering loved ones in Russia and in Ukraine. One congregant, her face twisted in anguish as she stood on the cathedral's rain-slick steps, apologized for turning down an interview, explaining that her family is in Kharkiv and she worries about them. A priest who spoke on the condition of anonymity out of fear of reprisal said the cathedral has gotten hate mail since the invasion began and a protester came into the sanctuary and disrupted a religious class. The priest had to call the police. This is a reminder of how awesome we have it in the United States. How awesome we have it. It's a great reminder of freedom of speech and the freedom to assemble and the freedom to protest that we have in this country. They don't have it in Russia. And though you've got athletes in this country who are Russian, they can't speak up even though we would give them a pass in this country. They can't because they have family in Moscow and they very literally may never see their family again if they say something here. We got to show a little grace for the people who can't speak up given the circumstances and be mindful of the reach of the Russians, the propagandists around the world who spread pro-Putin information, the people who live in fear. There's a real, real issue here that we got to be mindful of in this country. And, and it's just another remarkable reminder of how great it is to be an American and how free we actually are compared to the rest of the world. One of the great organizations committed to that freedom, committed to the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, committed to veterans and first responders is Patriot Mobile. They take a portion of their profits and they fund the conservative movement. And they want you as their customer. The more customers they have, the more money they can generate to be able to give to the conservative cause. It's a great way to help and also get great phone service. They use the same cell towers all the other companies use. And you can use them, and they have 100% U.S.-based customer service. You can get free activation with my name by going to patriotmobile.com slash eric. That's patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. Or you can call them. Their phone number is 972-PATRIOT. Tell them that I sent you. You get free activation. They give great discounts as well. Veteran, first responder, NRA member, teacher, big family. You need multiple lines. Talk to Patriot Mobile. They can find a discount right for you. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425. I'm going to go to the telephones. I want to go to Rick, who's been waiting patiently. Rick, welcome to the program. Yeah, thank you, sir. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Hey, I, I was uh, listening to your story about, uh, you know, the intimidation of uh, Russian athletes uh, who may be in this country or other countries and have family there. And frankly, I couldn't help but feel some parallel to your, that in your earlier story about Biden and the Democrats going after Hispanics who choose to vote Republican. Uh, and, and beyond that, 
uh, you know, going after the liberal, the what is it, limousine liberals in Hollywood, going going after actors who who choose to uh, be conservative, or or you know, the pillow guy who's been vilified and almost run out of business because he chooses to support conservative causes. Right. The same thing's happening in this country, just maybe not to as I'll say vicious extent. Yeah, look, I mean, in this country, no one's going to come kill your family um, because well, you've taken a political at least, at position. That's you, what we hope. Yeah, we we hope. Yeah, you're right. We do hope. Um, yeah, yeah, man, people are getting crazy. But I mean, this is this is where we head if we give up on on Western liberal democracy. I mean, by liberal, I don't mean progressive. I mean free. And there's a lot of people. And and look, I I, I am I am living proof to this. I mean, the the amount of 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 threats and bullying I have gotten for positions that I have taken that aren't popular necessarily with what people would think are my tribe. I've seen it, but at the same time, also, I, I think it's, it's genuinely, truly important that we be mindful of the fact that while it happens, it's nothing like other places in the world. Yeah, people, we're always going to have pressure. I mean, even going back to, I mean, the, the Hollywood days of the Red Scare and all that, uh, people were pressured, although, I mean, exposing the communists wasn't a bad thing. But it's, it's also fundamentally different because it's not necessarily the power of government here in this country. Yes, there are bad actors who want to silence us. Uh, there are certainly exceptions to the rule, but at the same time, you don't have to worry about uh, agents of the government coming to make you disappear. You may lose your job because of the mob, and it's the mob in this country more than anything, and the government may not stand up to the mob, nor may the corporations, but it is fundamentally different than what happens in Russia, and we need to be mindful that some people cannot speak up, not because the government will come for them, but because the government will come for their parents or their children or their their spouse's family. It's a whole different ball of wax. Now, when we come back, uh, we got to shift gears uh, domestically. CBS News has its new polling out. My goodness, the Democrats have been in their retreat, the continuing despair of the Democrats. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building? You want to build a building? Reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.